Okay, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the first episode of the Multi-Passionate Fangirl Podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Williams, and I am joined by... Hi, my name is Nadia. <laughs> Hi, Nadia. Um, so we are going to get started in with... Um, if, Nadia, if you just kind of want to introduce yourself, kind of the... And maybe with along with the corners of the internet, you kind of operate in in terms of uh, fan culture um, and typically where you kind of house that like Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, so um, my I like on the internet like to discuss things, all things um, Marvel, DC, uh, Taylor Swift, and uh, Kingdom Hearts, which is my all-time favorite uh, game series in the the world. It's just it recently had its twentieth anniversary. Um, still going, so it's been going for quite a long time. Um, and I can be found at Multi Fandom Geek on Twitter, and like a being arrow on Tumblr. And those are the two kind of quarters of the internet that I tend to hang out the most in. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'll put those handles in the little like podcast description um, yeah. when we are finished up. I know that there's there are lots of things that we could talk about because we have a lot of common interests. Um, I didn't really grow up with video games, but I am, however, incredibly intrigued for you to talk about Kingdom Hearts because I that is one of those where it's like I didn't grow up with video games. So I don't have the same like association that you have with Kingdom Hearts, but yeah, um, it's something that was so something I saw on the internet a lot anyway, just because I had uh, I knew other people that yeah. were also into the game, and so it's something that it's like okay, I I know enough about it to kind of understand the concept, but. Um, for those that you know are listening and don't have any idea about what it is, if you want to just kind of give like a quick and dirty summation, I know it's got a, you like you're just <laughs> celebrating an anniversary, so it's got kind of a storied history. But if you want to kind of give yeah. like a quick and dirty like explanation of what it is, um, and then we can kind of like move forward with more like targeted questions about it. Yeah. So like the the basic premise of it, so like the elevator pitch, as it were, the the way it's been described was that there is a uh, executive from what is now Square Enix and what was then Squaresoft um, met, ran into essentially like an executive from Disney and said, hey, we want to create a game that combined our, like our storytelling and our characters with your IP and your characters. So there's just like weird amalgamation of the two uh, companies. And it sounds like a really, um, uh, a really like weird and bizarre idea whenever you first hear it but then it like develops into this like really touching story about you know the power of friendships and connections and how important you know your your deepest friends can be so um i since it's been around for 20 years i played you know the first one as a kid uh and then the latest one only came out quite recently so it's been part of my life as i've grown up for like the entirety of it. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's oh, just, go ahead. It's, yeah. It's just a really special story. <laughs> yeah. That would uh, be a basic summary of it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So 
what like game system is this like played on or has it does it jump around like is it on multiple platforms like i i, I really ju i i've only seen things like videos yeah. on the internet i'm sorry <laughs> no no you're perfectly fine and this is another thing that's like a weird kind of like history story of it uh because in the beginning like it really jumped around which is why it was like really hard to keep track of and why you know like yourself probably lots of people have only seen it in passing in videos if they've seen it at all because it started off on the playstation 2 um and then you know all the handheld consoles came in and like the the games company so square enix or formerly squaresoft were like we want to game on all these game consoles so there was just one on like every handheld console like available uh, and it was only until recently when they started to put them together on little collections that are actually regularly on sale now. Um, so now it's all available on the PlayStation and I believe Xbox and also PC. Definitely PC. I've seen it. I've seen it in the Epic Games Store. Um, but I'm not sure if it's on Steam. But I've definitely seen it available for like computers. Um. So it's one of those things where it's kind of understandable whenever you hear someone say, like, I've never heard anything about it because it's just, it's been all over the place. And it's only recently that they've, like, organized it to be available on multiple platforms um, and very easily on multiple platforms as well. Uh, just because I think there was a demand from, you know, maybe people who've played it as a kid on their PlayStation, but then have grown up and have gone to the Xbox and were like, we want to play it too. So now there's a cross-platform development for it and um, but that's kind of so you can kind of find it anywhere now and um, but it's it's definitely been through like the ringer and it was at one point it was definitely hard to keep up with like there were certainly there were certainly games that i never played until they were remastered yeah um so you know cross-platform for some reason my brain came on to something we were talking about when we were planning this episode is yeah. how this game sort of introduced you into the concept of crossovers because that's 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 basically like the base concept of it which it it does sound kind of like insane to you know such an an, an exoteric perspective to hear this like amalgamation of all of these different intellectual properties um in a space that too it's like i've only i literally i said like i said i've only seen clips so it's like you know these characters that you have this very set i'm, I'm thinking specifically of like disney renaissance era animated characters that yeah. pop up right so you have that sort of brain space to think about those characters in a certain way and then they're literally thrusted into this completely different setting how did that like inform kind of your discovery of like the concept of like crossover in fandom so like it was like very bizarre because as you progress through you know the, the games there's these there's this concept of different worlds so typically what that means is that every world is based on a certain disney film so in the beginning it's all as you say 
Renaissance films. So you've got like your Little Mermaid, you've got your Beauty and the Beast, you've got those sorts of ones. Um, and you play through the stories that are associated with them. Um, so, but then you get towards the like end of the first game, and for instance, Belle is just in this world that they created for the game, and it's not like Beast's castle, and you're like, this is so weird, but it feels so right because you run into her in a library. <laughs> I'm like, of course, of course, Belle would be in a library. And I think one of the things that it just it taught me was that, you know, crossovers are so powerful because there are, are characters that you would never um think would meet because they're in separate universes. But then they meet and suddenly they're all like friendships and it, it opens this really interesting realm of how characters would interact with each other. So like I I that's something that stayed with me throughout my life. And it's one of the things that like um the modern like that really excited me about the like modern adaptations of different comic books to that I got to see. So it was like it's just I always thought it was so much fun. And I still think that crossovers are some of the most fun things that, you know, could possibly happen. Yeah, like I, it's so funny because, yeah, like the the crossovers and like the Arrowverse, I wouldn't say they're all my favorite necessarily, but like it's always so fun to just sort of tilt your natural perception of these characters even just a little yeah. bit to get them to get them in a slightly different situation because they're always ways of making it fun I feel like from a showrunner's perspective like I'm just gonna put it out there like Invasion was probably my favorite of like the crossover episodes like the Invasion honestly same. yeah same. right because like the idea that you know like you know Ray would interact that way with Kara exactly and I always yes. I always had I always had an appreciation for that like you know that little joke that they give that, Brandon exactly yes. like her him because he played Superman. I love his Superman. Um, yeah. I actually i I am a hardcore like Superman Returns defender because I thought he was great as Superman. Um, and then you get the interesting part of like how does Oliver deal with Kara? Because you know this is new and yeah. normally he's the level headed <laughs> one, and Barry's just here like. Yeah, this is my friend that I ran. I I met because I ran to an alternate universe. I'm back, and Oliver's just like, what? What? <laughs> and Oliver, and then, like, just leave me on the yeah. MU at that point, like. <laughs> <laughs> and then honestly, Sarah is Sarah. So Sarah's like, she's yeah. <laughs> she's Sarah Lance. Like, there's nothing, nothing else. Oh no, Sarah's like, okay. I'm not fazed. Uh. But it, it did, like, for me, like, like you know, I, I think Invasion would be my favorite crossover. Um, I think it's the best storyline. Um, yeah. And then also some of the, like, little mini crossovers. Like, uh, in the first series of The Flash, they had just Laurel come over for an episode. Or, like, one episode yeah. 19 of series one. That's one of my favorite episodes. Because 
you just got to see Cisco be very excited about Laurel. Um, I will say that not every not every crossover landed with me. Um, especially whenever they didn't feel like they were like using the characters correctly, but um, or as how I would have seen the characters. But I definitely love Invasion. I think Invasion was definitely, I think it's like the peak crossover, because everybody was there, everybody used appropriately, and you got some really fun character interactions that you know, might not have existed otherwise. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, it's so telling of me that the only gripe that I have with the invasion is that it was before Nora was introduced, because, like, we never got to see her, like, actually in a crossover. Like, when it was Infinite Earths, you know, she yeah. wasn't in it. And so it's just like, we were robbed. <laughs> but that that was really I, it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like that was my only gripe for sure is that it yeah. happened before she was on the show because it would have just I've been always, amazing. I've always wished that she was around for that because I just think some of her interactions with especially Thea, who Thea oh, yeah, definitely. Had, yeah. Had, had just dealt with her kid version and her dad, you know, and everything. And I'm like, exactly. Yeah, like Thea's like, uh, I, I just think like it would have been like, Whoo! yeah, <laughs> like Thea. I'm not sure how Thea would have dealt with that, but like, I just right. think it would have been fun to see. Um, and I, I do think we, we definitely missed out on a lot of good Nora and Thea interactions for sure. Or even just um, like, <laughs> or even just, I just have this like mental picture of just her just absolutely just giving Oliver the stank face from across the room and he's like yeah. what he's just so <laughs> utterly confused he's like Ray why is your girlfriend giving you the stank face and he's like oh you see you see the thing here's the funny thing and he just would have to like make a and Oliver's just standing there just in pure like what in the world did I what is happening like yeah. put me back on that island those those shipwreck days those were the best days of my life like you know all of us just like get get me out of here right now. literally like, get me out of here I didn't ask for this child that I accidentally sort of abandoned to the system uh to come back as an adult and give me a bunch of grief anyway um so and then, uh, and, then yeah. and then I just like I just like to be like, Sarah, what did you do? <laughs> Where did she come from? Sarah's like, um, excuse me, not my circus, not my monkeys. That would be Mr. Ray Palmer over there that is responsible <laughs> for all of that. You can thank him. <laughs> but like, because all of her time has a, I've noticed has a tendency to go to like whoever's leading the unit you know, team. <laughs> so he and then Sarah would hang on over to, to, to Ray. Uh but yeah, no crossovers have are definitely some of like the best episodes in the Arrowverse because I just oh, yeah, I sure. love all the character interactions that they like bring up and yeah they I love how like they push the different directions of you know where the characters can go yeah <laughs> like I don't I don't know. You probably have seen on my Twitter, but I don't know how much you've seen of obviously on my Twitter a lot of that I'm currently like watching Star Trek Picard and like the, yeah. the final two episodes. 
the whole series are in like the next two weeks. I don't know how I'm going to survive that. Anyway, moving oh, no. on. Um, uh, I feel but, for you because it yeah. is so good. Yeah. Like, I, I just, you know, I wish it had gone on for longer, but yeah. I, I, yeah, I saw, <laughs> I saw a tweet that was like, I wish we had gotten a couple more seasons of like the La Serena crew before we had moved on to like the plot line for seasons two and three, which I sort of agree with to a degree because yeah. I feel like I got so attached to this, these new crop of people, but I, I love who we've kept at the same time. And I feel like who, where these, where the other original characters had ended up were satisfactory. I just wish we had had more time with them. Um, but I understand wanting to keep it more of like limited series, but it also reminds me with this last season we're bringing back in all of these next generation characters and how much I yeah. had always enjoyed when they wanted to um, introduce a, like back in the nineties um, when they wanted to introduce a new series, there was oftentimes yeah. stuff like backdoor pilots, which is super common anyway to have like backdoor pilots and that kind of thing, but to then further springboard um, like future appearances, like, when you know Worf joins Deep Space Nine in season four and then is there till the end of it and then you even have mentions of it in the uh, feature films that were the next yeah. generation feature films like Insurrection and um, and a couple others and so I think that that's always so interesting that when you have big franchises like that it just it just makes your brain go burr you know to like yeah. see them and all that kind of stuff I don't I, I don't know what it is I'm sure yeah. there's a big like bigger like psychological thing about why we love crossovers so much but you know just yeah. I feel like just even for the enjoyment and the entertainment of just almost putting characters fish out of water just a little bit is so satisfactory for some reason and I don't yeah, know why. It's, it's funny because you mentioned like backdoor pilots and I always think of like the original crossover in the Arrowverse is the introduction of Barry Allen which is very much a backdoor pilot. Oh definitely. Because like and it's just like I just think those are so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> um but like I don't know, there's there's something I think there's something that sparks joy about you know just seeing all the characters that you love interact with each other, and like one of the things that is really special about like you know not only like the Arrowverse crossovers where you see rare characters is that because Kingdom Hearts is a crossover like game that I played throughout my childhood, I have seen so like. The main character is called Sora. He's like he's created for the game, um. But his his main group are Donald Duck and Goofy. So so as absurd as that is, it's really fun to see them like interact with all like the Disney like princesses and the Disney characters that they don't get to interact with, like maybe even outside the parks. So it's like it's yeah. quite a weird, surreal, but also joy and like inducing moment of like where you see like 
So one of the one of the worlds I always remember is like Pirates of the Caribbean, which isn't in the first game. It's like it's introduced later on in the series. But the reactions between like Donald Duck and Captain Jack always seem to just stick out to me, and I'm just like that can never have existed without a crossover, and it's just so funny. Um. And then you've got obviously like the crossover with all the like the other game characters, and like you just it's something that you've never like thought of like oh yeah so this is this is how Goofy would in, would would react to like Clyde and Sephiroth from Final Fantasy Seven and I'm like that's such a cool moment and you don't see it without with without the crossover functionality it's just. I don't know. Crossovers are special to me, and there there's something like that I will hold close to my heart, um, and it's something that I like. I you see them in comic books more prominently because they they will do, like they'll build like teams, and then that team will develop friendships, and then you'll see them coming back and forth in each other's comic like comics, and it's just something I wish you, we could continue to see outside of comics, because even in the you know, adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. I it <laughs> I don't know um if you would remember this, but there was a show when I was growing up. Um and I'll be twenty seven next month. And oh I'm twenty six. On... Oh perfect. Ninety six so, baby. Yeah. Nice. December ninety six. Oh, May of ninety six. Very nice. My birthday is like very close to Taylor Swift's. Oh, it's a joy. I'm so jealous, you little Sagittarius. Taylor um, Swift, and then Haley Steinfeld as well. Great. Yeah. And then Nora Darks is on the the second. And Nora Darks. Because I, I just remember that off the top of my head, like a normal person. Um, <laughs> Nora's but, a great character. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be ashamed of it. Um you know it's fine our moon phases are the inverse of each other it's fine anyway moving on um but there was a show on disney channel called house of mouse do you know what i'm talking about yes i have yes because it's just it's just so it's just so goofy that it's just like that like it just like almost like ingrains that concept from like a young age like conditions us to like accept that as as cool and normal and I love that it's goofy but it it accepts that it's goofy in a lot of ways and I just I think that's what makes it like stick out as well like yeah I always think that there's no shame in being like goofy or something as long as you know someone can remember you because it's always better to be memorable than boring Oh, 100%. Being normal is vastly overrated, um, in the words of the great Aggie Cromwell. All right, yes. Debbie Reynolds. Uh, uh, you know. Miss so. her. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I'll never forget the, I forget, she, she, she had said it on probably multiple occasions, but when she was on the set of the first Halloween Town movie, the way she went around introducing herself, because you know the most people remember her for stuff like Singing in the Rain and that and that sort of thing, and so she literally went around to the younger cast members and was like, "I'm Princess Leia's mom," 
and just to like you know like yeah, get, was... get kids to kind of orient themselves to who who she was um because I'm sure that they were probably kids like that had never seen you know her her work uh, in her heyday and so they're like why is this lady why is everyone like treating this lady like royalty first of all because she freaking is second of all <laughs> um you know them getting to be like oh okay that that makes more sense okay 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 yeah which that's yeah I love that that's I often thought that was a stroke of genius on her part. Just go straight for what they're into. Princess Aya. Yeah, definitely. Just 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 go straight to go straight to the heart of the matter. Who are they gonna know? Just Princess Liar. Just it was great. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean like, you know, like I was like what two? We were we would have been like two when the movie came out. Yeah. And so then we would have been like only like a year old, but so I feel like I, you know, I didn't grow up in what the pop culture and how it operated in the 90s because it's definitely pre-the no. ubiquitousness of the internet, so I don't really know how it would have operated, but I still feel like, you know, Star Wars was definitely a, people are going to know, Star Wars was relevant enough, and so it's like, it almost kind of like, I feel like the progression of Star Wars and its, like, popularity, it's think, like, yeah. it's like, it's almost how like Taylor Swift talks about how her life is unmanageable where it's just like you know in the past you know five or six years probably since about like reputation it's just like like exponential and so it's like Star Star Wars was always popular but with the advent of like social media and stuff like that it's just like exponentially almost unmanageably popular yeah I also think oh and with it with popularities comes it comes its drawbacks because you know star trek is in my view you know just as good as a franchise Agreed. if not better um but i feel like you and you get less drama just because it is for whatever reason annoyingly in my opinion less popular but it does mean that you get less conflict i i always find that every time i try to wade into like a fandom space for star wars there's always at least one like debate happening and I'm like guys why <laughs> um yep same thing with Marvel and Marvel has gotten so popular with the MCU and you know how long the MCU has you know been going on which is what makes me nervous for if you know DC starts being like consistent like movies because the Arrowverse had enough debates and I'm like I don't need that on a wider scale um but like the thing about like I've noticed about the Star Trek fandom the Trekkies is that they're like a lot more chill and they just seem to be vibing and stuff that they really love and it's it's always like nice to wade into there versus whenever I try to wade into Star Wars and I'm like no get me out of here quickly yeah um and I also think that the popularity of Star Wars probably didn't win because, you know, they had the original ones and they were, you know, going through in the 70s. Um, and then whenever you hit the 90s and the advent of the internet, <laughs> you know, the 90s, the early, you had the, the prequels and then suddenly everybody was talking about the prequels. And then obviously recently... For better have, or worse. For yeah. better or worse, you have the sequels. Um. But it's just such a weird thing. Like, 
I think you find like you can't you can't manage it and like Taylor Swift can't manage her community either. Um which is, is like if people are like, Can't you do something? And I'm like, No, there's too many people. That she can be as well meaning as she wants to be, but there's too many of her of us to for her to control. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree. It's like there are always going to be those very hardcore gatekeeping fans with any franchise. Um, I feel like it is especially prevalent in I feel like those four. So like, you know, Marvel, MCU, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, and Taylor Swift. And I know that that's a really strange list, but like I have orbited in those spaces in some form or fashion and it is honestly astonishing how chronically online people can be I think with their opinions I think what's really weird for me is that I can go from you know these four corners of the internet that we're just talking about to something like Kingdom Hearts where it's just a bunch of people theorizing what the hell is going to happen next because there's so many unanswered questions and I'm like this is night and day <laughs> and I'm like fandom is so weird but fandom is such a core part of us that like you know it's it's like it's like Taylor Swift says in our little like voice memo in daylight she wants to be um defined by the things that she loves and not the things that keep her up at night and I think as you know core as people who maybe like aren't like aren't famous we are defined by the things that we love um because especially when it comes to fandoms you know people are going to know oh she you know they're in this fandom circle uh, they're in this one and, and they're going to make snap judges judgments based on what they think of that fandom circle um and it probably goes down to even before you join a fandom like most people love their family and their family installs like instills values and for you know for those of us who go into fandoms you know the stuff that we read and the stuff that we consume um also instills values um with how it's written or how it's you know made i just think that's a really interesting concept oh yeah for sure i feel like you know as an adult in fandom i have really found a sense of a found family which it informs also kind of what I end up interested in obviously you know like I fixated on you you have you have all these different shows within the Arrowverse um just as an example and then I fixate on the one that's like is so thematically rooted in like found family um because that's what Legends all is all about right exactly and it it is it is so multi-layered and so it it's so much like important and then it also informs kind of like the spaces that you not want to avoid that's not the phrase I want to say necessarily but like when you go into a fandom blind it is kind of nuts I like last year was very much binge watching Bridgerton I bought the bedding this bedding because I was like obsessed with that very delicate Regency aesthetic and I, I 
I I have an English degree. I love English literature. Jane Austen is my favorite like classics author. So it's not like that was an unfounded interest. It was building upon an existing um, love of the time period to like finally get into Bridgerton. And I, you kind of, you kind of, you kind of pick your favorite Bridgerton sibling is kind of how it works is there's like, what, like eight of them, you know? Yeah. And, and that, that definitely helps inform the kind of subspace that you fit in. And I jump on that side of Twitter and it was the scariest thing I've ever seen. I was like, guys, this is pride and prejudice and naughtiness. This is not, we don't need to be (laughs) fighting with each other when like, the the craziest part was that it was like normally when you see ship wars quote-unquote ship wars in fandoms it's because there's usually one character that's in common and it's this this group of people wants this character with this person and this group of people wants that character with this person and obviously they're going to butt heads in a very understand understandable conflict conflict to a degree we could we would be here all day for me to delve into that nonsense but I I was walking into this space and there are people that are just like I like this sibling the most and the person they end up with and if you like this sibling instead and the person they end up with like I'm going to bully you on the internet and it was the wildest thing I had ever seen I did not understand that at all and I had to like step away from the space once the show went on hiatus and oh, I really had I because <laughs> it's just it's insane and it and it got worse yeah and they decided to go out of book order and <laughs> it was oh, that's I always mean, a mistake. it was visceral <laughs> hate and I'm like guys this is a fictional show with fictional people you yeah. don't need to be so crazy that you are bullying the actors off of the app the actors off of an internet presence in general most of them got rid of twitter and instagram and just dropped off of all social spaces in any sort of public way because they were so crazy and i was like guys you were this is not a competition there are eight books everyone's going <laughs> to get their moment I don't understand. There are bigger problems in the world that there, there. It's a nonsense conflict, and it was, it was insane. I was like, okay, I just need to, I just put this away. And thankfully, it was like around that time that I ended up sort of like revitalizing um, my online interest in being a part of like part of the you know like the Taylor Swift like community of like Swifties and stuff like that. And so, like, you know, I have, like, a little group chat now on Twitter. Shout out to my Zillennial Swifties. I love you guys. Um, and we just, we just big chill because we're all, you know, 22 plus fairly normal people that just get a little excited about Taylor Swift. And, um, and that's fine with me. And then I end up becoming a fanboy's worst nightmare when I'm screaming and retweeting and sharing pictures of Taylor Swift and then I immediately just like hard left <laughs> hard left and start Dear screaming Picard. about Star Trek Picard <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it's like hard right and it's something that like uh V you know V has like yeah. shared a 
about um like the mcu or the dceu um and i'm chiming in on that and then it's like hard hard right back over to taylor swift and all of that nonsense and then it's two tickets to the barbie movie please and it's just chaotic and i love it and that's why i wanted to create this podcast because i'm just like wait i'm just just a little ping pong ball talk, yeah you talk interest. yeah you talk about the barbie movie i am like very excited about the barbie movie and there's so many terminally online people and like that i've seen that have just completely missed the point of the Barbie movie. Oh, 100%. Oh my guys. <laughs> and I think, like, Fee highlighted it. Uh, sorry, Fee, you're great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, like, I was like, that, like, like she was replying to, like, one, one guy, and I'm like, dude, you completely missed the point of what a can doll is. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. completely, completely. The flip, the flip the script is the flip script is definitely getting lost on a lot of people, and it is why, you know, um, reading uh, comprehension should really be brought back to the forefront of K through twelve education. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> and yeah, but I I think back to like like my English like classes and like part of our like standard exams where we had to you know uh <laughs> analyze the poem and we had to like like do reading comprehension history uh at, like questions we had to like write in a certain tone and i'm like you all went through all of this and you still managed to completely miss the point every day hi <laughs> Can yeah. I send you back in time to go and learn that stuff again? Yeah. And two, the, the importance of learning the difference between like authorial intent and your personal interpretation of a work, I think can really yeah. be applied to, to anything that any sort of media that we consume. Um I've I've seen I've seen that particular struggle with Taylor Swift songs, I'm not gonna lie. Um Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So um and even I, I feel like that just informs the whole fandom experience where it's like you're consuming this piece of media and you you intake a personal understanding and meaning of it because of your own background but it can mean any number of things but it most definitely means whatever the writer's room wanted to do with it that's for sure and yeah like i've had i've had like you know ignore it yeah it's i've had lots of conversations with people that are like you know but it, it was meant to be this way and i'm like did you tweet the writer's room for this show because i'm pretty sure this tweet here like completely contradicts that <laughs> um it's like, just are, like are you watching the same show we're watching the same movie we're listening to the same song i've had so many times within like the arrowverse where I'm like, am I watching the same show as you guys? I think, like, it happens the most with, like, Legends and Flash. I don't know, yeah. like, there's certain areas, like, of the internet that just don't understand Legends and just don't understand Flash. And I would love to, like, analyze why that happens <laughs> because it always seems to be those two. Yeah. Like, the, the, yeah. 
I love war memes, the kind of shows, but like there's memes and then there's completely missing the point. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, you know what? Speaking of crossovers, almost to, to wrap this up, I am never going to live down that picture that Grant Gustin took in front of Oliver Queen's grave marker that has turned into a multi-fandom meme. I will be yeah. scrolling on Facebook and look in a Taylor Swift fan group, and that meme is there because it was I like truly, it was literally stuff. like an her yeah. original like Fearless album cover, and then Fearless Taylor's version was photoshopped onto Grant Gustin's face, and I'm like, I will never be rid of this meme. Like Grant Gustin, if you ever find this podcast, you have caused me some serious emotional stress, my dude, because I'm just like I can't escape it. Grant Gustin, I happen to like really like Grant Gustin because I think he is also kind of like just like a little like fanboy nerd that is oh, like he's, yeah, so tired he's of all pretty of all the drama. Stuff, yeah, like he's you know he's really into Superman. Oh my god, he must have died between Brandon and Tyler. Oh yeah, in their for shoots. sure. I'm like, dude, I feel bad for you. Um, <laughs> right, but like he, you know, ever since he's been like in. Because the first time I saw him was in Glee. And I remember because I used to watch Glee at the time. Oh, and there was yeah. this, like, uh-huh, there was just uh-huh. this photo that came online of him, like, jumping past the paparazzi. Yes, I love that got picture. Turned it's into so funny. Because that was so funny. And it also got turned into me. I'm like, God, I am so sorry. You're never going to, like, escape meme hood because that one got turned into a meme and now this one got turned into a meme. I can guarantee whatever he does next. That took the picture. Like, he's the one that wanted the picture. Like, that That was I'm a like, behind the scenes, I'm going to crouch in front of this grave and make a goofy face picture. Yeah. So, so it's like, so I'm like, you brought I'm this like, on yourself. I'm like, you're very clearly into your memes because, like, there's, there's, he keeps creating memes and it's so funny. <laughs> he just has a memeable face. It's fine. <laughs> At least he'll always be known. <laughs> yeah, but I know that fair. I know that I know that he was one where like uh, fandom, like things did not line up with like writers' intent, and then he had to go off social media for ages. So bad. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. We're uh, we're for the sake of. For the sake of potential therapy, we're just not going to go into Glee today. Uh, no, 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 we're, we're avoiding no. Glee. Um, but I'm talking, no like, I'm talking like, like, Flash fandom stuff. Oh, yeah, so. He got, he yeah. got, like, very annoyed with, like, certain corners of the internet and went, yeah. nah, I'm out of here, bye. Yeah, fair. <laughs> and it's only recently he's gone back to his Instagram. His Twitter is still gone. Yeah, he used to have a Twitter. Crazy. And it's gone. Uh, so it's like, if you like a show, treat your actors with kindness. <laughs> and the whole crew in general, I... If, if, you, if you like a show, treat your crew with kindness because the crew does everything. Yeah. The and crew is so important. Yeah. What I've noticed, which is has good and bad points with, you know... Being more involved on Twitter as I'm watching Star Trek Picard is how wonderful and overly patient a lot of the cast and crew are 
with a lot of the not so wonderful and patient people on the internet um almost to a detriment and so like um the the showrunner terry metallis you know it takes a lot of it and it's insane like sometimes i'm just like terry my dude like don't don't feel the fire but it's at the same time it's just like why are you put just because you can share a thought doesn't mean you a should or b especially not tagging the the people involved in it if that makes sense like yeah like i like i've had my own gripes you know with certain aspects of of every show i or piece of media that i consume but i'm not gonna go there's this courtesy that is really instilled in like book reviewing that is not translated into criticism of any other form of media which is like don't if you if you are saying something negative that is not a like constructively critical question don't like antagonize and invite the uh author for lack of a better term of that media into that into your space like that's like there there should be if something bad happens there should be accountability held but if you're just griping that like your favorite character had like two minutes less of screen time in this episode i don't want to hear it i don't i i really don't um it's really funny because way of of you going out of your way to tag someone associated with the work like i mean it's really really stupid because fan fiction like exists for a reason if somebody didn't give you enough, yeah. didn't get enough screen time, go read about them. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's the really not problem. difficult to just scroll on. Yeah. No, I totally um, agree. And I don't think I have encountered a fandom that does not have this problem, which is really shitty. Because <laughs> it's the my... same people that just migrate from fandom to fandom to fandom even like i have the whole pipeline thing that i won't go into this episode but i'm gonna i'm gonna like out myself here of as a as a me defender but one of the things i'll for be forever mad at is the group the specific group of swifties that bully taylor into removing the hey kids sign is online for me because i miss it and it feels weird without it Yes, that, and I can almost guarantee that the Venn diagram of those people and the people that, um, like, harassed her into taking out the scale scene from the anti-hero music video just less than six months ago. I also, it's, yeah. It's a circle. The Venn diagram it's is a, a circle. circle, and they did not understand that she Good. was processing her eating disorder. She was processing her view of her body image in that and they were like no this is offensive to me i have to like don't don't watch it don't watch the music video like it, end of story move on go find, move a, along. Go, go, go find a lyric video go find a lyric video consume it some other way this is about her dealing with her image of herself that's the entire point of the song you have congratulations missed the entire point of the song because you were being so online it's also like because she tried to be really, really vulnerable with people. Yeah. Between that and your own, your own kid. And people take advantage of it every time. And people 
screw over. So she's not going to tell anybody anything ever again. Yeah. Yep. Like, ever. And well, and they're going to complain, yeah. but it's their own fault. Um, I would love for us to end this episode on a slightly sunnier note. Um, so I'm trying to think Sorry. of something that I could. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, like that's that's why I love talking to like you and other people because like you have informed, critical opinions about the media that you enjoy, and that's I feel like that is the best way to get an, an enriched experience out of consuming something is when you have a well-rounded opinion about it instead of just constant stars in your eyes until they ultimately disappoint you and then you leave. And that's a very immature opinion to have. And I know that because that is how I feel like I operated in those spaces from like ages like 15 to 18, where it was like stars in my eyes until they did something and then I just like crumbled. And so to like enjoy something and still like look at it with like critical but like appreciative eyes is like why I wanted to start this podcast so yeah because I just I just love I just love talking about that kind of stuff you know um for lack of a better term like yeah I don't know like um I wrote down we definitely I'm really glad we talked about Kingdom Hearts um, the original questions that I had were more kind of geared towards your experience in like comic book spaces but like um, I guess like a final question then would be like how do you feel like you have evolved as a person in in fandom you know like now that we're because our people's perception of age in fandom is really strange um, I feel like just yesterday I was like way too baby to be on the internet and then from ages of like 19 to like 22 um 21 22 I was like not in fandom at all just because of a really traumatic experience so I was like off off the internet off being interested in stuff like that so like you know I didn't really hit that spot um, and now from like you know 22 on um, I'm in fandom with this like different perspective and I'm interested to see kind of like how you feel like you've evolved in these spaces as as you've changed spaces and interests or as you've kept them that sort of thing um well <laughs> I think the the funny thing about me instead of like as opposed to other people that I've talked to um is that instead of you know changing and chatting and you know like switching fandoms i really just sort of added um so like you know the my original one was like you know can you find the game learning the idea of a crossover and then but i was never really like fully in into that fandom until the fandom experience and that until quite recently um it was, i just sort of existed on the fringe fringes it was like it was a game that i played i really enjoyed um and then as i grew up i was a, an avid you know book reader 
but all the book universes were separate. So I was like, I wonder if there's a media where, you know, things are, are separate, but like actually things, um, like characters will come and cross over and talk to each other and actually form friendships as a part of a wider thing. Um, and that's what led me into comic books. Um, so for a while I was really into them and then I got like, like really into the fandom of them. And then I got kind of scared out of that because comic book like gatekeepers are some of the scariest people I've ever met in my life. Um, like chill, it's just a book, you know, let, let me, let me enjoy like, you know, Dick Grayson and Wally West being friends or let me enjoy, you know, the Captain America family in peace. Uh, <laughs> or like the Avengers fighting a bad guy. Um, so I got kind of scared out of those places. But then with the um, like advent of the MCU and the uh, the Arrowverse, because those happened kind of roughly around the same time. I know the MCU started like early, but the first main like crossover was there. Um, I was able to just you know jump back into that headspace with just a little bit more maturity because I was in my later teens um, and it was still kind of scary because I was very high strung everybody around me was very high strung there was very strong opinions um, <laughs> so I kind of it took a bit more of like a server role there and then now I'm in my 20s and I feel more ready to like handle it so I jump in and join discussions about shows and you know talk about what I love about them and when it's appropriate to like you know what they're maybe not doing you know so well and I just think it's a much more comfortable space to accept you know these are the things I love these are the people that you know if you run into them that they don't love what like you love and I think fandoms in general are just really about finding your tribe you know find the one find a group of people that are into the same things as you in the um, fandom you know form connections make friendships and then just ignore all the noise and life is a much like that is a much better fandom connections uh, fandom experience like you were saying with your Swifty group chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, to, I, I guess a good place to end it would be, you know, to think about, um, you know, the, the Taylor Swift song, you're on your own kid, where, you know, it's make the friendship bracelets, take the moment and taste it. It's very much like, you know, something else that she talks about being like, you know, not, apologizing for liking what you like um definitely just like what you like and just it's just ignore the rest like everything like you, you like what you like for a reason and that's nothing to apologize for and yeah that is okay and it can be as you know convoluted and on the surface contradictory as you as you think um as you as other people may think I should say and yeah so you know I I love that and I love that 
you know it, it brings so many different people together for sure yeah that was definitely I think you know that um trying to express some emotions were definitely the two most important lessons I would say I've learned from Taylor it's been great Taylor my life is so much better you. for it I know <laughs> Taylor yeah. Queen, we love you um but yeah um so well you can see it for sure <laughs> yeah um I don't have any gift yet but enjoy it's your fine. shows yes I'm seeing her in May I'm so excited <laughs> um yes, has the most fun <laughs> so I'm excited but yeah um I think that's a great place to end the episode talking about Taylor Swift because of course we started talking of about course. Kingdom Hearts and we're stopping talking about Taylor Swift and I think that's wonderful but thank you so much, Nadia, for joining me for the first episode Bye. of the Wheel of Fan Girl. And thank you to everyone yeah. who's listening. Um, thank you yeah. so much for having me. Um, yeah. This has been fantastic. Yay! I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so I think we'll go ahead and end here. <laughs>